This is the first message in a long series. It's going to be all through the month of January called Loving Your One. Back in 2020, 2001, when we started New Life, our mission was to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And then in 2016, on our 15th anniversary, Pastor Brad said, you know, Chris, you know, we're not a baby anymore. We're sort of like an adolescent adult, young adult. Don't you think we should do more than just share the new life of Jesus Christ? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I think we should say that we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. But the one person at a time is the key thing. We've always focused on that one person who needs to know Jesus, who doesn't yet know Jesus. You know, Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And he said to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to do everything he commanded. And he promised to be with us always to the very end of the age. We call that the Great Commission. And today, fulfilling the Great Commission means reaching 7 billion people. And we realize there's no one local church family that can reach 7 billion people. But here's something that every one of you and me, we can all do this. We can reach one person. Every church, doesn't matter how small, how big, if the church has one person, they can reach another person. That's something we can all do. And so for the past six months, our church staff has been focusing on something that's called intentional churches. And the idea behind intentional churches is to become as intentional as we can be as a church family to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, the focal point of fulfilling the Great Commission according to intentional churches is the one. Now, where do we get the idea of the one? Well, if you know anything about new life, you know you better get it from the Bible because that's where we get everything that we do here at New Life. Well, Jesus happened to tell a story about a shepherd. He said, you know, if a shepherd has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what does that shepherd do? Well, he leaves the 99 in the field and he goes and searches for the one until he finds it. And he said, when he finds it, he calls all his friends together and says, you've got to rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And then Jesus, here's the punchline of this story. Jesus said, in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns back to God than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So you and I are part of the 99 if Jesus is Savior and Lord in our lives right now. So our calling is to help Jesus find the lost ones. So I have a big question. Who is your one? Who is your one? That's the focus of this series. We're going to talk about loving God, loving ourselves, loving others, loving our family members, even loving strangers and enemies. And as we do that, we're going to say we can do all of those things because God loved us first, Jesus loved us first, and we get to experience and put into practice that love. So here's today's take-home point. If you are new, uh, first of all, I'm Pastor Chris. If you're new, we didn't have that up on the screen today. Actually, we don't have screens today. Did you notice that? There's no screens. Not only do we not have the stuff on the screen, they're totally gone. But anyway, I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor of New Life, and we have a take-home point every week, which is the one point we want to take home. And in this case, I hope that we'll live it out for the rest of our lives, but at least for this week, and it's this. We get to love our one because Jesus loved us first. We get to love our one because Jesus loved us first. So right now we're going to look at a couple of passages from the Gospel of John that have to do with why we would love our one in the first place. It's because Jesus loved us first and 
he calls us to love each other. Before we get to the scripture, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you that you sent Jesus here to this fallen world so that we can have a new life, a life that doesn't last just for this life, but forever. And we pray as we enter into this new year that we will have a heart for you and that we will want to glorify you, to receive your love and to share that love with everyone we can meet, but especially with that one person that right now is in our life who doesn't know you yet and who can use your love through us as a light that shines in their life and hopefully brings them to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the scriptures we're going to read, as I said, come from John's gospel, which talks about the, the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to talk about two passages that come from the night before Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for human sin. He was gathering with his disciples, and at one point, he washed the disciples' feet because nobody had taken the job of washing feet. It was actually a servant's job, and because there was no servant at the door, nobody washed their feet, so Jesus got up and washed everybody's feet. And right after that, we read this in John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. As soon as Judas left the room, Judas left the room, he left the room to go find the religious leaders so he could show them where Jesus was so they could arrest Jesus. So Judas left the room. There's 11 disciples left plus Jesus. And it says this. Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me but you can't come where I'm going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our next reading comes from just a couple chapters later. And once again, Jesus tells his disciples to love each other. It says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain or abide in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way. I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Both of Jesus' statements make it obvious that he loved us first, and then he calls us to love each other. And so what we're going to do, Jesus actually said that the way the world is going to know that we love God is not by loving them, the world, but by loving each other. So we're going to look at four steps, simple steps, in the process of loving our one, that one that's out there. First thing is, we receive Jesus' love. Obviously, we cannot give something we don't have, and we don't come into the world filled with Jesus' love. I don't know if you realize this, but when a baby's born, they don't come out of the womb saying, I love Jesus. They come out of the womb saying nothing, but in two years, they learn to say, mine, and no. 
Those are the two first words. Well, hopefully, dada, mama, that kind of stuff. But mostly it's mine and no. And, and so if we recognize that we come out of the world as selfish beings, all about our own lives and not about the lives of others, how are we going to share love with other people? Well, we can't until we receive it. And so we learn to know the love of God in Jesus Christ. And Jesus actually said our lives have to change so much that he called it being born again. We get a new life from Jesus. And then once we've received Jesus' love, we can move to the second step in the process. We give Jesus' love to others. Jesus told us it's more blessed to give than to receive. But here's something we all need to understand. I think we all do understand this. It's a very simple matter of common sense. We can't give until we've received. If I want to give you 10 bucks, I have to have 10 bucks. <laughs> Can't give what I don't have, right? If I want to give you the love of Jesus, I have to have the love of Jesus. Wh whatever it is that I want to give, first I have to have it. Whatever it is you want to give, first you have to have it. And so Jesus did say it's more blessed to give than to receive. So once we have Jesus' love, then it's a greater blessing to us not to just keep it, but to share it with others. So we're entering into a new year, and as we start it, I always like to use this illustration. Let's live our lives with open hands, not cold, tight fists, but open hands this year in the way we use our time, our talents, our treasure, and touch. Now, the third step in the process is the only one in the whole step process that might not seem obvious, because the third step says this. We demonstrate Jesus' love as disciples by loving one another. I mean, if we receive Jesus' love, we give Jesus love, doesn't that just mean we just go out in the world and find somebody that's lost and help them know Jesus? Well, that's what you'd think, but that's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said is the first thing we need to do is we need to love each other. We need to love those who already know Jesus. You see, Jesus called a group of 12 men together. He called them his disciples, and what he said they had to do was to love each other. In fact, he gave them the opportunity to do that on a regular basis, day in and day out, for three years. So think about this. If I said to you, we're going to make some disciples here at New Life, you would immediately say, well, you're going to probably teach us how to pray. You're going to teach us how to read the Bible. You're going to teach us how to be generous in our giving of our time, talents, treasure, and touch. You're going to teach us how to serve out there in the world. And all of those things would be right. But Jesus said the first thing that we have to do before we do any of those things is to love each other. I always remember Pastor Rick Warren came up with a very short poem. It's only a few lines about how much we think about, you know, being in heaven and how wonderful it's going to be in heaven. But, but we don't really want to think about how we have to first get along with each other here. So here's the poem. It goes like this. To live above with those we love, oh, that will be a glory. But to live below with those we know, huh, now that's a different story. Right? It's challenging to love one another. In fact, it's really impossible to love one another until we have first received the love of Jesus. But once we've received that love, a love that was given and demonstrated so much so that he did what he said. He said, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for a friend. Jesus laid down his life for us. He gave his innocent blood to pay the penalty for our sin. So how can we, having received that kind of love, not give it to one another? I want you to do something right now. This is the first action point of, new, of the new year for all of us. I want you to look around. Seriously, turn around and look at everybody you can see. Look at, I know up there in the, in the balcony, you're going to have to look at each other because those lights make it hard for us to see you. But look around, look at each other. Now, when you looked around, you probably thought, wow, I love those people, certain ones. I mean, I really love certain ones. 
and, and you looked around and you said, hmm, there's some I'm not really that crazy about. But what you probably said is, I don't even know most of these people. I don't really know who most of these people are. But here's the thing. As we look around, here's the deal. Every person in this church family has offered... Every person in this church family offers us the opportunity to show the world that we are Jesus' disciples. And all we need to do is love each other. That's it. I mean, we get to show the world that we're Jesus' disciples by loving each other. That's our task in 2023 and beyond, to agape. You see, John wrote the Gospel of John in Greek. It wasn't his native language. And he had the choice of four words he could have used for love. But he chose the word agape. Agape means to put another's needs before our own. It means to sacrifice what we want for what the other person needs. And, and so John, in Jesus' words are probably spoken in Aramaic, when he wrote it down, he used the word agape because that most clearly said what we need to do with each other. We need to put the other's needs in front of our own. Now, we're not going to do that perfectly. But I do know one thing. There is not another church family in the whole world that I would rather love one another with than this one right here in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania, New Life Christian Ministries. So the final step, step one, receive the love of Jesus. Step two, give the love of Jesus. Step three, the un, not obvious one, we show that we're disciples of Jesus by loving each other. Step four is we show Jesus' love to our ones and help them to become disciples too. We show Jesus' love to our ones, that specific one person, and then we help them to become disciples too. When Jesus told us to make disciples, he said, baptize them. He said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. So again, we think about what we want to teach them about prayer and all that kind of stuff. But when Jesus wanted to show the 12 what a disciple was, he said, I want you guys to come and live with me for a while. It ended up being three years, every day, day in, day out. They watched Jesus do everything he did. More importantly, Jesus told them why he did everything he did. You see, it's in that kind of relationship that we can truly love our one. We say all the time here at New Life, and it's not just a saying, that we want to share Jesus with everywhere, everywhere we live, work, learn, and play. You see, to be a disciple, to share love with our one, is actually to bring them into our world. Now, I can't bring all of you home to live with me for the next three years. Not going to happen. Okay? We did bring several girls home to live with us for the last five and a half years. And, and some of you will bring people into your home to live with you. But what, I'm, what we can do is we can be in a small group together. And there we can come to know a handful of people and we can learn how to love each other in very practical ways. And, and here on the weekends, we can get together. And after the worship service is over, instead of blitzing out to our cars, we can stick around and get to know somebody for a few minutes. You know, that's really all we're talking about here is we invest our lives in the lives of other people. And the reality is we can find one person who doesn't know Jesus today. I know, I know we can do that because there are four to five billion people in the world who don't know Jesus today. So we have a lot to choose from, even right here in the United States of America. We don't have to leave this country to find people who don't know Jesus. Remember, it, it isn't our job to save anyone. It's not like we're going to go out and find somebody, and if it's not, if it's not us, then th that person is going to go to hell. The person has to decide for himself or herself, am I going to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord? That's the Holy Spirit's work. But the reality is when we come alongside, we show the love of Jesus, which is agape, we we care for them, we show them 
that we do really genuinely love, not just in a feeling kind of way, because love, as Jesus is expressing it here, as John wrote it down, is not just a feeling, but it's an action. And so we carry out those actions until what happens is the person says, wow, (laughs) you know, those Christians, I always thought they were, and you can fill in the blank with what the people out there in the world think Christians are, but what they'll fill the blank in with is, I didn't realize those Christians are (laughs) loving. They care about me. They care about us. They care about the people that are out here in the darkness, and they bring their light in simple and clear ways. So I want to tell you something, and this is really incredible. If we do this, in the next five years, new life will grow exponentially. How do I know that? Well, the math is simple. If I find one person and you find one person, and let's say we invest two years in that one person, Two years. And over two years, that person trusts Jesus, Savior, and Lord. Then how many people will we have? Twice as many, right? And so then in two years, that person and I, we go and find a new one, which, as I said, will be pretty simple because here in America, it's probably 100, 200 million people to choose from. Even in Butler County, it's probably 100,000 people to choose from. So we find them. And so over two more years, we invest. And now how many? We have four times as many people. And really, it's not about how many people, but it's about that person's eternal destination. They're either going to live with God forever or be separated from God forever, and we get to have the opportunity to live in Jesus' name with one person at a time. Not a new idea. Share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world. One person at a time. We've been doing this for 21 years plus here, almost 22 now here at New Life. So we can do what I just said by practicing today's next step. Again, if you're new, it's an action point as we go out into the world. I will love my one as Jesus loves me this week. I will love my one as Jesus loves me this week. So what are we going to do? First, we're going to receive the love of Jesus. Second, we're going to share the love of Jesus. Third, hard part, we're going to love each other. We're going to stick with each other throughout the coming year. And we're going to love each other. And then four, we're going to find one person. And we're going to invest in that person for however long God has us in that relationship. And we pray that the people will come to know Jesus. But even if they don't, that's what our calling is. And that's why this series is called Loving Your One. Now, everybody knows this is January 1st. Tomorrow, January 2nd, I'm going to go to the Y in the morning. And I'm not going to find a lane to swim. Yesterday, when I went swimming, there were three empty lanes. I I mean, there were five lanes at the Butler Y, and there were only two of us swimming yesterday. But tomorrow, I'm going to have to wait, probably, or swim with somebody else or swim with three other people. But I just have to wait till Friday, and I'll have my lane back again. (laughs) What's my point? My point is, we all make New Year's resolutions. Most of us do. And and the reason why most New Year's resolutions fail is because, number one, they're too big. I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. You know, I'm going to get in shape today. Well, probably not going to happen today, right? Or we make 10 resolutions that are all major life-changing things. And third, we do it by ourselves. You know, tomorrow when I show up at the Y, if I show up between 5.30 and 7, Mike's going to be there. And Mike's going to say, look at this. Don't worry, Friday it'll be fine. Because Mike's been coming for 10 years. And back in August when I started coming to the Y, he welcomed me in. Mike's a retired engineer from um, Westinghouse. He grew up in New York. And Mike, you know, I I missed a couple days. And he said, are you okay? 
Mike cares. You see, I keep showing up because, well, because a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because of Mike. Mike cares if I'm there. And I don't even know yet if Mike knows Jesus. But I know one thing, his way of doing things works. He actually cares about me. And it makes me happy when I see Mike. You know, and whenever, Mike, Mike would say this. He would say, you know, he said, man, you are really swimming fast today. What that means is I'm swimming about one-tenth as fast as Michael Phelps. That's really fast for me. And that's as fast as it's ever going to get. You know, for me, at this point, it's going to be slower probably. But Mike's 78, so for me, I'm swimming pretty fast compared to Mike. But it's not about comparing with Mike. Mike's an encourager. That's all we're talking about here. That's how simple it will be. And the thing is, we have every likelihood of success. Sometimes I say things are simple but not easy. This is simple and easy. Find somebody who doesn't know Jesus and just care for them in the love of Jesus. And over time, you know what happens when you plant a seed in the ground and you take care of it? Water it, fertilize it, it grows. A relationship's the same way. So as 2023 begins, let's find our one, let's love our one, and eventually we'll let God produce the growth. Amen?